What up, bros? What's going on, guys? Tony Curtis here. I'm here without my my partner in crime, Siege, because um, we're doing things a little bit differently. As I mentioned on the last podcast, you know, we wanted to cover the Angela two-parter. We wanted to talk about it in one podcast episode, but the conversation was too good. We couldn't we couldn't minimize it. We couldn't trim the fat it was just too tasty um so we decided to split it up into two episodes so if you haven't heard the dear donna karen episode go back and listen to that episode and then you'll be completely caught up for our conversation on chasing angela um with debbie and anika from the marvelous marvels podcast uh we, we guys you know us we're unpacking it we're getting into it and we're doing it right now in this So do we, this is like, I feel like we're in a good place with the first episode. Yeah, let's go ahead and move ahead to the second episode. I don't have a new tell me about it, but it's, it's a, it, it picks up where we left off. Sean realizes that, I'm sorry, the audience and Corey and Topanga realize that Angela is the owner of the purse at the end of the first episode. And going into the second episode, Sean is made aware of this fact and this becomes a bubbling idiot around Angela until they finally go out. And I'm, I do want to talk about this episode. Um, something that Siege brought up, which is Corey and Topanga's influence on Sean and Angela. You've mentioned this a little bit during the first episode, but I think it really comes into play here. And if you're not super familiar with Corey and Topanga and like the history of the show, they are kind of made out like to be the end all be all of relationships. Like there has never been a love stronger than Corey and Topanga's. They're constantly making Romeo and Juliet imagery and just like, it's just, it's untouchable. But you know, um, throughout the series, what me and Siege are noticing is that there's actually a lot of issues in their relationship. There's a lot of issues with um, codependency. There's a lot of issues, um, you know, even in this episode, Corey says something like, oh, you know, she decided we're one person, you know, this is how we feel. We, we speak on as one person. And it's like, we, a common day, it would be, you know, Corey and Topanga share a Facebook profile. They, they would be that kind of relationship. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that like in the day it was really celebrated, but now in 2021 eyes, I can kind of see how toxic it is. And I'm thinking like, whoa, 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 whoa. no one should be trying to be Corey and Topanga. No one should be trying to emulate another couple. Yet this show is constantly feeding us to, that to us. Like, hey, you should try to find your Topanga or your Corey if you really want to experience what true love is and i just had a bunch of issues with that i wanted to get your guys' thoughts well really quickly before we do that i want to read the summary of episode eight which is season five episode eight chasing angela uh which leads right into that which is to say an eager Corey encourages sean to consider the same type of relationship of a long-term relationship uh he has with topanga and angela sorry i gotta read that over an eager Corey encourages Sean to consider the same type of long-term relationship he has with Topanga with Angela, except that the two of them start not to get along so well. Meanwhile, Jack and Eric are nervous about hosting Thanksgiving dinner for the Matthews family in their new apartment. We will absolutely come back to Jack and Eric because I have uh, something that I want to say. But in the meantime, let's continue with this Corey and Topanga being the ideal that Sean is striving for. Okay, so I'm not gonna lie. When I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and have a relationship like Corey and Topanga. But 
not anymore <laughs> even i don't want that even from just watching these two episodes like it's very reflective of a time in which people were shamed into being into a certain type of relationship Yes. Like now I think people are learning like there are, there, there are different types of love and they come in, in your life for different reasons. And, it, you know, I'll, I feel we know these things in, in like society now, but back then I feel like it was, you needed to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you needed to be deeply like that type of codependent, committed, always together. Like you need, that's what you need it. And, and I don't know, you look back at it now and you're like, good Lord, like maybe we need to calm down. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Especially Remember, they're two. 17 and yeah. we are putting this on them. Like, and what's crazy is the show seems to know that it's both unhealthy, but also wanting to force Sean into it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Alan's like, you and Topanga act way like, old, mm. like an older couple than me and your mother. Like, what are you doing? Like, Corey himself seems to be play acting. And Alan's like, what's going on here? Like, uh, you and, uh, your mother and I don't even act this way. Let it go. Like, like, like be real people. And Topanga's yelling, like, we're 17. Like, let us be real. But they're also exactly, at the exact same time, propped up as, like, a couple who are so good together and, like, like the little banter they have the moment they enter the restaurant and like Corey being completely dismissive of all of Topanga's feelings and words, but because he was funny and he made a little like faux growl, which by the way, I did find funny. Um, she's like, oh, all is forgiven. I can't say mad at you. And it's like, no, we have some things we should be talking about, but. Like, was that banter or an actual argument? Like, I would think that's an actual argument. Like, thing is, Throughout the series, Topanga changed. Yeah. Corey didn't yes. really. Yeah. Like when when they're like little, like in middle school, she's like the weird kid. And she lost that. She became like this normal, like attractive girl who everybody wanted when before nobody wanted to be her friend. Yeah, they greased like, her. They Sandra deed her. They were like, yes. oh, you need to drop all your stuff and just be whatever <laughs> everyone else thinks is cool. I'll tell you exactly when it happened. It happened season four, episode two, when she got her haircut. She got yeah. her haircut and she's immediately, hello, goodbye, I'm so at the mall. And since then, we haven't heard her talk about saving the whales or the oceans or pollution or patriarchy or any of that stuff that was like ingrained to her character in season one. I also think her not living with her parents anymore in season four, she moved in with her aunt when her parents yeah. left town. Like her parents were kind of weird too. And her not living with her parents is my excuse for why she's kind of like losing some of that social justice warrior that we loved about her in the, in the earlier episodes. Cause you're right. She's not that person anymore. So then hey. it's like, when you're a kid, you, you want it to be that because it's like, Oh, Corey and Topanga. But then looking back at it, I would more want to strive to be an Angela because she stood yeah. up for herself out the series like she's like okay Sean like this isn't working type of thing like they've had their breaks like Angela's the girl to be <laughs> <laughs> not Topanga yes tell him Anika <laughs> no, I, that's, a, that's a great point the idea of being like 
Angela is the one we should strive for. It's like, I would, I like, we're, as we just talked about, this is the first two episodes where we're really getting to know Angela. We were introduced to her like early on in the season, but like for like five seconds. And I think that looking at this, we would say, no, Angela is the one that you should model yourself after because Topanga has kind of been, um, how do I say this? Mainstream. Brainwashed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, thank you. That's what <laughs> like, she's kind of been pushed into this mold of like, we need a hot white mm-hmm. uh, teenager to, to center our show. So that's what she's going to be now. She's not going to be the individual that we made her. She's for. Kelly Kapowski. She's just a pretty girl at this point. And it's really sad because you're right. She didn't start out that way. But I mean, even as we've been reviewing these last like, two or three seasons, we expected to get more Topanga storylines. So she's actually in the show a lot less than you probably even remember. The the amount of like story arcs that she has, she's like hardly involved. She's mostly there to serve as like a girl for Corey versus a full character on her own. And that's kind of what we're seeing um, from like season two and three that's starting and just kind of lasting throughout. Like Disney, di- Disney did what Disney does. This is what yeah. Disney, like as little girls we were disneyfied and we're like i want to be a disney princess i mm-hmm. like disney i love disney and like trust me i'm a big disney kid but the thing is women are not like seen as like they're not portrayed well yeah. like you just need your man and you're good you don't need a brain you don't like you you just change for whoever and it's just like no <laughs> I got Disney vibes too from this, like like Ariel giving up her voice without knowing what she's giving up. Like it's like, why are you committing and jumping in and encouraging Sean to do the same thing? Like it's it's you're right. Disney really did. uh, You know, Disney is the parent company of ABC who owns uh, the show. Um, You definitely see those fingerprints throughout. Yeah, and what's really interesting is, so I think that, again, this is all like almost like boiling sort of apology, but what someone has said is that um, there's this fan theory out there that the entire show is how Corey sees the people in his life. So, of course, when they were younger, Corey saw Topanga as like this uh, weird girl who was like all about um, saving the world and like social justice warrior and had weird parents. But as he gained more attraction to her, then she became like the prettiest girl in school and like, but was still approachable and accessible. And it's like, while I would love if like, if we could kind of like make that like uh, canon, it makes sense. It also says a lot about Corey and how just because then, like, if you're going to take the good, which is like, oh, that explains the change in her personality, then you got to change the bad, which is like, so then he just kind of sides like Topanga. And she's like, she's not a real person and a real character with her own thoughts and feelings. She's just a pretty girl who I get to hang out with and, and kiss. And then also, that also says that when he, we get the episodes where Sean is like poor and like living in a trailer park, like that's how Corey sees his friend. The closest friend. His best friend. friend. <laughs> is someone who's honestly just from a trailer park, you know? Which is interesting because in this episode, Corey even goes as far as to say, um, I worship Sean. It, it, I know it's kind of sad. Like he goes as far as to say that he thinks so highly of him, but you're right. Like he thinks highly of Sean and Topanga, yet, you know, their interests and their needs and their wants, even in this episode, Corey is doing stuff that Topanga doesn't even want to do um, just because of the image of this is what couples are supposed to do. And, and you're right. It's so frustrating because Corey and Topanga are actively, you know, imposturing 
for themselves while encouraging Sean to like do the same thing. This is what couples do. We just like, we pretend. And I, I just to back up a little bit in season three, Corey and Topanga started dating at the beginning of season three. Um, at the middle of season three, they broke up and then they got back together at the end of the season when they went to Disney world. But in the middle of the season, they broke up because they were becoming into a rut. They were becoming too much like old people. Topanga was like, Hey, you're ordering couples magazines and you're taking us to, to dinner at 4 PM at the sizzler. Like all these things that Corey is still doing and she's still complaining about the thing that broke them up before apparently is just like becoming something that she's just learning to accept. And like, is that something that we want to portray to kids that like, Hey, you can keep bringing something up as a problem, but if you love the person, then you'll learn to live with it. Like in many ways, you're right. Angela, the way she advocates for herself is far more admirable than Topanga who seems to just let everything slide. This fan theory kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you all have heard this, but like the critique of the great Gatsby being like the male gaze in in yeah. how Daisy is portrayed. And I think then Topanga like it is seen through Corey's male gaze as this pretty little thing, which yeah. does not sit right with me at all. Cause it, it completely like, I, I mean, I haven't seen the earlier season. I mean, any of the show really, but like if, if, it's that she loses most of her personality because we only see it through the way he kind of like, uh, I don't know, I d diminishes her into this little sweet, little white pretty flower. Oh, yeah. I don't but that would also mean, which is interesting, that would also mean that Corey is the one who kind of strips away Angela's mm. agency and is like, oh, it's one of the good ones. You know, it's, it's a black girl who you could listen to some, um, classical music with <laughs> you know like, like that's 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 kind of like how I see it and maybe you know again this is completely not canon but it does kind of like explain uh why we're seeing what we're seeing um one thing one I, I want to mention quickly about this episode um uh, from Sean's perspective at one point Sean pulls out a black book that um he like keeps book his little black book that he keeps all of his phone numbers in and he's like, Corey, there's some names in here that might upset you and your parents, which I thought was funny. I just thought the idea of a black book was a very nineties concept. Like I saw on fresh prints. I saw it in a few other episodes, uh, uh, shows. I don't recall like this actually being a thing outside of television. And I just wanted to ask if anyone recalled like little black books or did we just live with cell phones too soon to not have the I opportunity? Say, I think, I think here's the thing. A little black book is nothing more than what we currently have on Facebook or Instagram, where it's like we all have that group of exes on our Facebook and our Instagram, where it's like, I'm not, we're, we're, we don't interact. Like I made like a photo here and there, but I still have your information. I have your contact information if I need it. And that's what a little <laughs> black book was for the 90s. Like, like, in the 90s, you always had like a little black book in case you like needed to make a phone call that you needed to make. Or if you needed to, you know, like you just going through a breakup and you're like, mm, what can I do on a Saturday night? It feels very specific to a, a 90s fuck boy. Like it very specific to That's that Sean. era fuck boy. Yeah. Sure. Let me say that again. <laughs> that Sean for sure. <laughs> but also, you know, I don't, I would say that from what I remember, the little black book wasn't gender specific like i remember tv shows were like female characters that little black books and it was mm -hmm. like the whole idea was 
we all have a, the little black book is the personification of your dating past. Mm. And that's what it is. It's like, we all have a history. We all like, like one of the things that I thought was really great about this episode is the idea of a playboy like Sean being like, hey, I, you know what, to kind of distract myself from the feelings I'm having, I'm just going through my little black book and thinking about what I would be giving up to actually be in a relationship right now. And I think that that to me was one of the most realist conversations as yeah. someone who dated a lot and enjoyed dating and like enjoyed meeting new people, going to different places that like, it's more than just like the sexual aspect of it or making out and in their age, it's you get exposed to new things, you get exposed to new experiences and it's kind of lighthearted. Two weeks, as you said, I'm not investing in anything. I'm not- Two weeks with her. Corey's aunt. <laughs> whose name okay. was also in the book okay I is sean like, hooking up with amy or alan's sister like what oh my God. <laughs> i i did i did think about we we need to make sure that this was a young aunt like a, a <laughs> yeah like, this would have to be like a maya joshua matthews type of situation and for see, the, the fact that we get that later on shows that it's possible but you're not wrong it's like oh man that, that was they're, uncomfortable they're white white people don't really have <laughs> kids like that <laughs> Listen, when you have having having an uncle or an aunt that is younger than you or around your age is a black or or like a POC type of thing. White people don't do that. White people don't have grandparents don't have kids around the same time that their children are having kids. On sitcoms <laughs> they do. On on, on sitcoms, sitcoms they do. <laughs> Little Nikki. Um, oh, oh yeah, I guess that's true. That's yeah, no, no. Little Nikki is actually Fresh Prince, which is a family of color. But well, um, no, I mean, uh, well, you have uh, uh, Brady Bunch introduced uh, 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 cousin, cousin Oscar. Cousin. Yeah, he's a cousin. Um, it is. Oh, it I guess so. Happen, yeah, but you're right that it's mostly a like, it's a television a thing. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, exactly. That's so true. No, but the the what I wanted. Sorry, what I was going back to is I love the idea of having a playboy actually want to take a moment and be like yo mm -hmm. even if i am i'm like really into this person but like also that means i would be giving up something and he even goes to Corey. he's like you don't know what i'd be giving up <laughs> like like let's not pretend like you even had this dating history that i did you didn't and i like i th i just think it's really something that is important right now uh, and as a gay man and as someone who has like gay friends that's something that to this day they deal with this idea of like hey i've been able to like date freely for years and i really like this person but do i really like do i really want to give up everything that comes with being in a relationship i just thought it was a really adult moment to bring in to a kid's show and, and your point that Sean is actually like approaching this from like an adult perspective of like understanding like the, the realities of a relationship that it could end. There's not this optimistic thing that's going to last forever. Um, you know, it's the same thing that Angela is doing. She's like, listen, like there's like some hard shit and reality, like realities that we need to deal with in, in my past and your past and our relationships. And, you know, neither of us have ever been in a relationship for longer than two weeks. We wouldn't even know what to do. Like, you know, they're having conversations that Corey and Topanga simply are not having. They're having conversations where it's like, it's almost like the the people that, um, the couples that go to therapy 
before they get into a serious fight versus couples that wait for something terrible to happen and then go to therapy. It's like, hey, well, let's talk about it and kind of pl- like lay out where we are and where we stand versus Corey and Topanga being like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Always like we'll we'll get over it. You know, we'll fix it. We'll whatever. And like, I mean, and for not for nothing in like two episodes, Corey cheats on Topanga. So like it's it's not as strong as it's made to seem. I've told you about spoilers. I told y'all he couldn't even say in this episode. He couldn't even say in this episode, but keep going. Oh, man. It's it's only a spoiler for Divi. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But it's definitely like Sean and Angela, their whole, like the journey they go like on for themselves before they kind of get together. That is definitely 100% way more relatable than Corey and Topanga. Because I, 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 even if you're not like the player type, I think everybody can relate to that. Like, oh, I am whatever said and done, giving up like a piece of my life before I committed to this person. Yeah. That's that's relatable. I love the conversation they have at the dinner table where they're like, they're, Sean's like looking over at Corey and Topanga. He's like, I want what they have. And Angela's like, hold on a second. Like, you know, they kind of like have this conversation where they reveal insecurities and fears that they have about commitment. They're upfront about like what their boundaries are and their need for authenticity. Like, I don't want to pretend to be something that we're not. Like, if you know me, why would you bring me here? Like, this isn't my scene. Like, this is an even wider place than before. Like, why are you bringing me here? You don't know me. Like, let's not pretend. And that conversation, like, sets them up for more success than I think Corey and Topanga non-conversations. Also, good for Angela for being like, you said you knew me, but you clearly don't. Like, I think she's setting standards for herself. Yeah. That was was the thing that I did. Like, I really enjoyed that Angela, uh, as you guys have made me realize like even in a way that I didn't even when I watched it that that was setting boundaries that was her being like hey you said two weeks is what you do and I followed that like we both went into this with our own rules you don't get to be like weirded out oh even when she was like oh I have plans next Friday um he was like I have another date I'm still seeing Ted yeah And and he was like oh you're still seeing Ted yeah like by the way, I invited you to get food, like not a marriage proposal. And so like, I don't get to drop, I don't have to drop everything because you're now interested. And I was like, yes, I like, you're right. I was like, goals, this girl gets it. She's like, you didn't, if you want to go out on a date, you're going to have to actually ask me, not just assume because I showed a mutual interest that we're now together. And don't take but, me to Borelli's. <laughs> but also that introduces me to my favorite character, that I'm excited to talk about, uh, who is, oh my God, I need to find it. I think I lost who plays it. I'll bring it back out. I'm so sorry. Ted. I love Ted. I love Ted so much because Ted, AKA Scooter, he calls it, the coach calls him Scooter. Scooter was so much fun to watch. And like, I thought that he was another character where it's like his, his role was played like just borderline stereotypical but also true to himself like I don't like this he wasn't black black but this was a black boy who was not like whitewashed and he was just straight up I like by the way when he was like I'm taking these fries I paid for them I I paid for these fries (laughs) I was like I think Scooter may be my favorite character this entire season oh my goodness (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. He's like, I'm not gonna just sit here while this other guy hits on you. Like, I'm I'm getting out of here. He was like, yo, I want a date. Like, like again, I, I could go on and order for scooter. I want a scooter series. Like, if this was a modern TV show, they would have brought Scooter back and we would have like gotten like an expansion on his character at some point in time. You know what I mean? But like for just a quick appearance. He was so much fun. I really. Oh, he was on. Okay, I, I was like, where do I recognize this actor from? He was on the Parkers. He was on uh, a few other like random sister sister. He would show up for like an episode full uh, Family Matters. He did a full episodes. What is of, his like, name? A bunch of stuff. He was, all, his, he was on all the black shows, the black sitcoms. Yeah, his name is um. Gosh, what is his name? Sorry. Thank you. I was like, I had it, and I said, Salem Grant is his name. Salem Grant is the actor's name, yeah. Okay. We, I, I, Salem Grant, if you're listening to this, I just want you to know, I enjoyed your portrayal of Ted. It, it really made my day. Like, this is a good episode, but I- Oh, he was on Salute Your Shorts. Wow, okay, interesting. really, really made me happy. <laughs> mm. I'm taking these fries. <laughs> good for him. Listen, he paid for them. Good for him. <laughs> uh, anything else about the Ace storyline? Um, I high key, low key, or whatever kind of key think that Angela was the one who initiated the relation, like the the date to start. She did. I don't think Sean asked her her out like the first time. Wait, like before their two weeks started. I think that she started the two weeks. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. I can see that. Yeah, I, I can see, see that too. I can see her just going up to Sean, and be like, "Yeah, let's let's do this." Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't know if it was in the show chronologically two weeks ago, but in like episode three of the same season, Angela first appears as just a classmate that's sitting next to Sean. So it could have been that they had this class together and that like maybe just being in class, they decided, hey, let's let's try it out for two weeks. Um, I do like that she did pop up on the show before this episode. So she, she just kind of plays a classmate. But the fact that we saw her face before they decided to bring her on full time is great. I also want to point out, we talked about how like, um, they didn't really acknowledge race. You know, in season one, Eric dated an Asian woman who experienced discrimination at a mall. And um, she was called a bad name. Um, and me and Teach talked about that episode. And we were like, oh, we really wish that they had, uh, you know, not just made this an episode of the week, like to like approach something as serious as like, you know, racial issues and to just have it be something that, you know, is just there for one week and to just leave. It felt like, they were using that character as a prop, as a racial prop, more than like trying to get into the complexities of race in America. So I, I, I keeping that in mind, maybe Boy Meets World wasn't equipped to handle this relationship in the way it was supposed to. So maybe it's better that they just didn't say anything versus like trying to talk about it and maybe it not going over so well. I, I mean, I kind of agree. I also, I mean, just get more writers of color, but. <laughs> <laughs> But just yeah, the like, one <laughs> like they were like that's enough and we can yeah. we can do this perfectly but yeah I, I I think I think they weren't equipped I think if they tried it would have gone horribly and I think it would have hurt people if they tried and it and you know it yeah. is interesting to me I think what you had said like when you're like oh yeah to have like a, a black right a black female writer on that like it, and for the 90s is good it is always interesting to me that as um, an audience, we always see that very clearly that that is the solution. It's like, all right, whenever you're like, well, I don't know how to write to this character. 
hire someone that does. It's like you you have you have Disney money. You can hire whoever you want. You know what? Let's do one less set this week. <laughs> like, like yeah. maybe we don't have as many guest stars, and instead we put that money towards getting a writer who can speak towards this person of color character but instead the excuse is always well we just didn't know what to do it's like okay but you could get someone who did that that drives me insane because you know very much in the 90s too there were conversations important conversations happening happening about race happening about blackness happening happening about black people in america so like i hate when they were like oh we didn't know how to but you could have learned this like Oh, like naive white person excuse you can't use it forever yeah oh, you know that's that's, <laughs> that's one of the things that i think is something 20 30 years later that i'm really seeing very clearly which was there was this push for racial inclusion but not for inclusion of race so there's no, like brown on. people that come show up <laughs> <laughs> there's brown people that show up but those brown people don't bring along any of the culture or you know uh anything that's synonymous with their color like it's it's never present so like you see every 90 show has a token black friend almost like it, it's it, lisa turtle comes to mind like lisa turtle is there's nothing black about lisa turtle other than she's black so and that that's not to monolith and say there's one kind of black person but to strip everything from them and only give them white attributes and white features and white you know interests um really denies uh, an audience of feeling represented in the way that like when I see Angela, I'm like, man, it's great to have, you know, representation on there. Um, and I feel like her character does come correct in a lot of ways. Um, but like you said, going through her purse, whose purse is that? That's not Angela's purse. So like, you know, trying to make her more authentic character would have been great. But, you know, this is 97. Maybe we're putting too much on 1997 and, you know, from a 2021 lens. To be fair, that's not Angela's purse. It literally, <laughs> like, I just want to, like, we want to take the analogy there. That is literally not her purse. It's all a white of, purse that all, all of her stuff her is in. You put inside. I'm just saying. Whoa! <laughs> she is literally enveloped in whiteness. <gasps> oh my god! It's a black girl. Wow! White girl's purse. All I'm saying. Um, okay, so something I want to hit on really quickly because I do like Conan wrap this episode up is I want to talk about the B storyline in both episodes which is eric and jack and we we've talked about this we talked about the idea of like platonic friendships and two males being able to be intimate but like i cannot watch this in 2021 and not think that like there is this sexual tension between jack and eric or it's like even like like hosting thanksgiving like maybe we could do this to <laughs> together the fact that like alan comes over and and tells jack hey just so you know this is really important to my family and it, it feels like eric's boyfriend is being brought into the family you know like that's what it feels like like i watch this and i'm like i don't feel like i'm projecting i feel like it's just something that like would naturally come and don't get me wrong the characters are written as straight but also eric is written as someone who's open to any possibility and jack is we don't know enough about jack yet so i feel like we are just getting this like young college gay couple that are also like being told to go through the motions like again like jack is like trying to make a pie and like we've never done that. and it just it felt very much like a situation of a young relationship 
being like in its early stages. And I wanted to see how you guys felt about that. Did you get the same vibes that I did? Wasn't because I wasn't viewing it as such. So I wasn't seeing it. But now that you say it, the, the facts are there. No, I agree. Yeah. Like, like the Thanksgiving, them, that's like a domestic. Like them like, hosting. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Also, question, did they ever have like a gay character on the show at all? No, they didn't. Okay. I'm no, every now and you. then they'll have straight guys play like, like, oh, we were really close in almost a relationship way, but they won't go as far. They'll even make side comments. Like there was a, a character named Frankie that was on for the first few seasons that they would every now and then they'd make a little joke about him maybe being gay, but like nothing fully fleshed out. And we've talked about bi erasure and the fact that like, of course, in the 90s, no one could be into both. Like they were like, well, they have to be into girls because they dated girls in the past. And it's like, no, I mean, like, I honestly think that it would have made more sense for them to both have like a bi phase in college or like not even a bi phase, but like explore their bisexuality in college and be like, oh, hey, Jack and Eric, like we have some kind of feelings or something here. Like, let's have this conversation. But again, for a TV show that could barely acknowledge that Black people exist, I'm not expecting them to <laughs> handle sexuality. Oh, I, I, I do want to say about the, the Thanksgiving plot, I thought it was actually really funny when Alan came over to just like get in their heads and mess with them and just be like, you, Thanksgiving, this is the most important day of the year. I, I'm sure Eric told you and, ja and Eric's like, I told him, daddy, he just did, decided not to listen. <laughs> like, there were some really funny moments there, but I just love how they just constantly were like, hey, we have to get Thanksgiving right. We have to get Thanksgiving right. Only for the Matthews to ultimately be like, we're not trusting college freshmen to cook our, our Thanksgiving. Um, Who would? <laughs> right. One thing I want to say is uh, I think Eric was kind of messing with Jack too, because at the beginning he says something like, oh, Feeney cooked Thanksgiving last year and it was, it, it didn't go over well. Um, but me and Siege know that the Thanksgiving last year took place at Sean's house. Feeney wasn't even there for Thanksgiving. So it, it, I think it was just everyone just trying to like, Jack's the new guy. He doesn't really know anyone and they're just trying to razzle him. And that's how I interpreted that whole storyline. That's funny that you do interpreted that way because I thought this was just more of uh, Michael Jacobs magic in the sense of like inconsistency. Debbie, you don't know this, but the show is known for being highly inconsistent. And the reason why I say that is by Feeney being like, hey, everyone wants dark meat, right? And everyone was like, no. I was like, so there's some truth to the fact that at some point in time, Feeney hosted Thanksgiving, ate all the white meat and everyone was like, yo, we can't do this again. Like, I, like he, just, he hauled it all. So. One thing I want to talk about with uh, Eric, uh, I know we're, we're wrapping up, but just the first episode, the I Love You, Donna Karen episode, um, there's this really interesting thing that happens with Eric because me and Siege are always talking about, is Eric smart? Is he, is he dumb? This show doesn't really like, it kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes it says that like Eric is smart. He has his own way of being intelligent, but mostly it's he's dumb. And as the show goes on, he gets dumber and dumber and dumber. Um, but in the first episode, so he's trying to study for a test. He goes over to Feeney's house and Feeney's like, I'm busy tutoring the other kid from next door. Um, so Eric self-conscious comes to life in the form of an imaginary Feeney. This Feeney is part of Eric's imagination. His own brain is tutoring him on how to be smarter. Fascinating. The, I, I mean, I, I borderline was just like, I, I, like, his brain was giving his him 
the owner of the brain, the answers to questions. Like it's, it's wild. It's, it doesn't make any sense. I loved it though. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and then when like Jack walks in and is like, like, I thought that whole exchange was hilarious. And he was like, what are you, are you, are you good? Like, I thought that was funny. Oh, bad. smart. Where Eric just has something wrong with him. Like, he must have Asperger's or or some other kind of like something. You know, in the previous episode, the season, yeah, he talks about like he jokes about having a learning disability and it's like said as like a one off comment and they never get into it. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's kind of why we I I was asking, like, is he smart? Because like he can he literally got to be on this test from studying by himself, even though Feeney was there. It was just him and his own intelligence that led him to that. So it's interesting that you also got that. He just might be smart in in another way. I just want to, like, clarify just for everyone. Anika, she held up quotes when she said something wrong with him. Like, I just want to identify so no one thinks that, like, she, she, we clearly understand that Asperger's or having any kind of, like, uh, learning disability is, like, uh, a a bad thing. Yeah, but it's a real thing. And I think that that's, that's really important because, um, to your point, I think we, the show has proven time and time again that, in fact, Eric's actually really smart. He's just not conventionally smart. He's not smart in a way that everyone else, kind of like in the same way like everyone's trying to force uh, a relationship that's not really healthy. It's kind of toxic, but it at least is socially acceptable. I think that Eric's intelligent, but not in a way that everyone else wants to reward. He's not harvard graduate intelligent he has a different kind of intelligence from the episodes i watched too i kind of feel like the reason and you know i have limited knowledge because i didn't watch all of it bring but it i kind of feel like the reason eric's intelligent or his abilities or you know his academic journey kind of isn't focused on is because i think there's a lot of focus on sean's academic journey of him, you know, not reaching his full potential, that kind of thing. So at least from where I'm looking at it, I think that's why Eric, Eric's journey in that way wasn't as focused on because we already kind of got it from Sean. That's a really good point. That's actually, I didn't think about that, but I could see them being like, well, we already have like a character who's struggling. So instead, you know, we'll like, we'll just make it straight up where he acts stupid. Um, and it's more, I will, so- I will say that Eric's educational journey was a real focus last season. His last, the last season was about him not getting into college and then spending a year trying to like do whatever he could to get into college. So this is like consistent of him to go to Feeney and to look for help. And even in college when Feeney's not there, like we've seen that in the previous episode of the season, I think, um, it, it is something that, but you're right. It's like when Sean is going through something heavy, Eric can't. And they're like, Eric is a dunce when Sean isn't and vice versa. They kind of pass the like the dummy hat back and forth to the point where it eventually just starts to like live in Eric's court. And Sean just becomes super brooding and emotional and kind of strays away from being the silly dumb kid um, that he was in the earlier seasons. That becomes fully Eric going forward. So I, I do think there is something to the fact that like where Sean has these really heavy storylines, Eric is simply there to lighten things up. Um, the last things that I, I wanted to say, because I, I really did enjoy both these episodes. I thought they were fun. I thought that they brought up a lot of like interesting conversations. Um, I just wanted to say that on the Eric and Sean, or sorry, Eric and Jack storyline, 
Jack gets a call from his mom and finds out that he's going to be left alone on Thanksgiving. And I was like, so it's actually really interesting in telling that both Sean and Jack do have like these abandonment issues. And they do have this idea of like, even though Jack has money and like, you know, he, we know that he has a family that can like take care of him financially. He's still dealing with the same problem that Sean does on the idea of, Hey, it's one of the most notable times of year that you're supposed to be with family. And my parents aren't around. Like I have nowhere to go. And he's kind of like, he's been complaining about loneliness too this whole season about like being in a new city and not having any friends. You would think this kid would jump at the opportunity to go home for Thanksgiving. And the fact that he stays around is really telling. Well, again, what I think was interesting is we see, it's not that he chose to be like, Hey, I think I'm going to stay here because I was invited to the Matthews. His mom calls him and is like, Hey, we're not going to see you during this holiday. Mm -hmm. And I think in an episode to where Sean and Angela are talking about their abandonment issues and their trust and family and commitments, I think it's really telling that we also, we kind of get consistency in the Jack thread as Sean's brother of being someone who also doesn't really have a family unit to go back to, which I just thought was very interesting. Yeah, that could have been a very good overarching theme that they kind of ignored. I mean, like, again, like, even, like, I thought about it, like, during Thanksgiving, this is Thanksgiving, Angela shows up, and we're like, okay, so, like, what is Angela's family dynamic where it's, like, we all, she's already talking about, like, her parents and being abandoned and like like all this other stuff and she's not with her family during thanksgiving and that's not to say anything other than it does speak to the characters that the matthews is who they get to spend this family time with because their own families aren't available yeah, I mean, we later on learn that, um, you know, Angela's mom left and that her dad's in the military. So maybe that's the reason why she's there. But you're right. Like, there's there, there's kind of like all these, like, extra adopted kids that the Matthews eventually has over time that they kind of, like, spend all their holidays with and incorporate. No one more than Sean. But um, y- you're right. They extend that same uh, generosity and invitation to, to Jack and Angela and later on. Um, what's the redhead's name? Rachel. Rachel, yeah. But also, if you if you want to, they even do it to Feeney, if we're being honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Feeney's essentially their grandpa. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, Debbie and Anika, do you guys have any, like, thoughts on, on these two storylines before we wrap it up? I just found it interesting how Sean and Jack are siblings, and, like, they're both, they weren't, they didn't grow up together, but they're going through a lot of the same things. Yeah. Because, yeah, Divi, they're, they have the same dad. I watched that episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just <laughs> had to, to make sure you... Divi's like, uh, excuse me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like the one other episode I watched. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking too, like even the, the invitation that Eric like extends to Jack, like Jack had to like pull that out of him. And... Yeah. I'm sure after he was just kind of rejected by his mom, that this is not even easy for him to do. Yeah. It's such a great, that was my thought. Like, like even when, uh, like, we know afterwards that Eric was being funny where he was like, oh, I just wanted to make you sweat. But no, it's still, it's like, yo, dude, I, like my parents just told me they didn't want 
to, to be around me. And I'm, I'm humbling myself to ask if I can go. And I don't know if you've ever not had a place mm -hmm. to go. Uh, when I was, when I lived in New York, my whole family was in the South and I was by myself. And there were holidays where I would have to spend by myself or like so a friend would be like, hey, do you want to join me? But it's like, you never want to like just invite yourself or like that, that is an awkward feeling to have to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think that we are subconsciously looking at a group of people who are like, yo, I'm kind of dealing with some family issues and I'm kind of alone. And um, for whatever reason, you are home and I just, I think it's, I think it's a very interesting topic that the three new characters we get, Angela, Jack, um, and not really new, but like kind of consistent with his character, Sean, um, they, they are ones who don't have that Sean family dynamic. And yeah. um, we're talking about that. Yeah. I find it interesting that every single person that these children interact with have issues, like family issues. Every single one. Yeah. Topanga, she doesn't. She lives at her with her aunt. That's a good point. I didn't even think about it. even Topanga. You're right. Topanga is also someone who's like. Doesn't... It's almost interesting. It's almost as if people are attracted not so much to Corey for Corey, but the fact that he grew up with a healthy family dynamic, whereas no one else really did. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess Topanga probably had the healthiest family, but you're right. Even her family essentially lives somewhere else. Like she lives with her aunt now. She doesn't live with her parents. So um, yeah, there is kind of broken families throughout. And the Matthews kind of seems to be the only pillar for this little community to, to kind of hold on to. That's really interesting. Again, like, absolutely. The little community have no extra friends. Like Topanga, <laughs> Topanga only has a friend because Sean has a girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, thank you. She has not had like someone that she has conversations with or storylines with since season three. Like it's been a long time since she's had a friend. We've talked about this. That would mean that they would have to bring in another female character. And it's like, what, we want two women writers on the staff now? No, thank you. Wait, yeah, that I also called the Bechdel test. This definitely would not pass that Bechdel test. Not at there all. Not even a little bit. That don't pass the Bechdel test. And we're yeah. like, you had 22 episodes and two women couldn't talk to each other the entire time yeah I, I really dislike too how later on they kind of push Angela and Topanga to be friends simply because of proximity which is mm -hmm. they have nothing in common they're they later claim to be best friends but there's no proof of that anywhere so I, I have a question the theme song is like uh who's included um Corey Topanga Eric Jack Sean Yes. I'm going to assume that Angela becomes like a big character on the show. For season five, it kind of bugged me that she wasn't on in the theme song. And I don't know if that is a reasonable she, she, thing to be bugged about. Yeah, she becomes part of the theme song in season six and seven. She's a staple and she's she's there. Um, but you're right, she's not. Whereas Jack is included in this new theme song, Angela wasn't. Yeah. That is weird. That thank you for pointing that. I didn't Texas. consider that. But also, is Angela in season six theme song? Yeah, her because they throw her and Rachel in there, and I was like, we don't even know Rachel, and she made it into the theme song, but we didn't. Yeah, it's get just, Angela it is, until after. It is notable that I can't remember her presence there. Like, I just think that I remember Angela from this point on, but. They, they do a, a job of like, we were talking about 
earlier in this episode, we were talking about like Angela's just like another girl. Like it's not our black character. She's not our token. She's just like another one of the people. But it's like, yeah, at the exact same time, there are no moments that are given to Angela that I can be like, oh, this was Angela's moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... All right. Well, you know, I think we're good to to move on. I know this episode went a little long, so we appreciate you guys jumping on. That we tackled this two parter, and there was a lot to discuss, and we appreciate it. Do you guys have any? Um, uh, you know, we, I'm sorry. We usually do a, a a portion at the end of the episode where we kind of give it a grade, like what we thought of it from A through F. Um, do you guys have a grade that you want to assign to this episode? Each episode, or Am each I episode, I guess. To do this? Like. <laughs> Yeah, based on your own enjoyment. It's, it's completely subjective. I'd say a solid C just because of the, rep- the lack of actual representation. <laughs> for, for both episodes? For both episodes. Yeah. I agree. Because I think C is a good, it's a, it's a good average type grade. So I would go with C as well. Siege? So, so I actually have to admit, um, I gave at least episode two, I gave a B minus. And I like, it was funny because I was like, I'm liking the comedy here. I think it's fun, but also it's kind of promoting a toxic relationship. And now, as I said earlier, there's like this whole thing with Jack and um, Eric that I just feel wasn't really realized. And then uh, Angela being black, but not the black that we talk about, the black that we just accept, no questions asked. Those were like the elements that I was like, I'm enjoying myself, but I do feel like there is a lot more that could have been said. So I gave that a B minus. As far as the first episode, I think C, C, C plus is generous because um, as I put it out in that episode, we mostly learn about Angela through her belongings and not through Angela. And I was like, as much as I liked the conversations that we're having, the fact that we can't have these conversations with the girl who we're talking about feels like a missed opportunity. Mm. Um, I, I'll, I'll second that. Although I really do like the drop dead Feeny uh, segments of the first episode, like the imaginary friend Feeny of the I, I, I enjoyed that. I'm going to give that episode a B. Uh, and I'm going to give the second episode a B plus. And my reasons for that are, um, I love that we're getting a counter relationship to Corey and Topanga. Like we're getting a relationship that I believe in that feels much more authentic. That feels much more real separate from even introducing a black character. We're getting another female that is strong. And is that going to, is going to play a a solid role in the show. And so I'm really excited for all of that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do those grades. Yeah, bring us two burgers with fries. Yeah. <laughs> like, who knew like, there was a more feminist text? But to be honest, I mean, like, just being like, yo, I eat burgers with ketchup. <laughs> Let's not forget. Like, I'm here for it. Um, we sometimes have a Feeny lesson, uh, like a, a, an overall lesson that we walked away with from the episodes. Um, you know, this was a two-parter, so I guess we can kind of lump it together. If you guys have an overall lesson that you're walking away with, be like Angelo. <laughs> I love it. That's a good one. Be lesson. strong and independent and don't back down. That's what I was going to say for, for young girls and like even me as like an older woman. Listen, her taking a stand, knowing what she likes, advocating for what she wants and what she likes, this is, this is more than important. Siege? 
Uh, I was gonna say my my feeny lesson from both episodes, honestly, was you can't be in love with someone you don't know. Um, get to know that person holistically and and authentically. Like I think that that was another thing in the second episode that I really enjoyed, which was they were like, let's not be Corey and Topanga. Let's be ourselves. Let's yeah. fully be ourselves, the good and the bad. Um, and I thought that that was a really great lesson to take away. That's that's honestly what mine was too. But I, I to kind of lump them together, my Feeny lesson is don't be fronting. So like, don't be fronting that you're someone that you're not. Don't be fronting that you don't want something that you really want, such as a relationship. Don't be fronting that you know how to cook Thanksgiving when you don't. Don't be fronting <laughs> is my overall Feeny lesson from, from this episode. Love it. Um, okay, so we also have this thing called homework, where we allow you guys to give any kind of recommendations. Uh, we, of course, will shout out your pod, uh, Melon and Marbles. Um, but is there anything else you guys want to promote? Anything that you guys are into? Any pop culture that you guys have been taking in uh, that you want to recommend to others? Uh, I don't know if you guys are reviewing something especially awesome like, on your podcast that you want to throw out. Yeah, whatever you want. The Falcon oh, and the Winter Soldier. Everybody needs to watch that. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys if you were watching that. I assume oh, you yes. were. Yes. <laughs> I, I want you both to know two. that I spent quarantine. I had never watched like past the first Avengers movie. You should see their faces. It's no, they're they're in shock right now. <laughs> I, I, you know why? Wow. Because I, I'll tell you this, and we can cut this from the episode. Whatever. We're not I, going to. <laughs> I saw Marvel as like, I was like, dude, I don't have time to watch 23 movies. Like the whole, like, I was like, I want to appreciate everything. I want to know everyone's story. But I was like, I was watching like Thor 2. And I was like, oh, I don't really like this movie very much. And I didn't like Iron Man 2. So like the first and beginning of phase two kind of lost me. And then I just kind of was like, oh, it's too much. I'll catch up later. I and want you to know. I was like, you got nothing else to do. Baby. I got nothing but time. <laughs> I just saw Endgame last week and I am still emotionally recovering from it all. So like, I'm, I'm excited to jump on the WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I haven't seen either yet and I'm ready to, to get in there. Just so you guys know, I did. I talked about WandaVision a while ago. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's like a perfect journey on trauma and yes. like all like it's it's a great show. It's like so good. Uh, I have not watched the latest episode of um, Falcon and the Falcon. Winter Soldier, but I I will be doing that later on today. And um, I am a huge like. I'm actually more of a or I grew up more of a DC fan, but I just think that Marvel in the last few years has really nailed how to tell layered stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was a DC fan growing up my whole life. And then honestly, like after watching all the Marvel movies and after watching Endgame, I became a Marvel fan instantly. Like, I, like, like solid Marvel fan. Endgame is such an amazing, like you summed up every movie and paid tribute to every character in every movie. And I'm, oh my gosh, dude, like I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm so into this, so I can't wait to watch Falcon and, and Winter Soldier. You know, gotta watch Wandavision. Yes, Wandavision yeah. does start off kind of slow. Just a, a forewarning. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I 
I think Marvel, like the reason they've done so well is because they've gone past like the structure of a superhero movie because it's more than that. It's real stories and the way the little nuances, the emotion that these actors and the, the writers and everything, everything that's put into it, I think it surpassed that like that like superhero script. I also exactly. thought that they were just trying to like sell like more movies like, oh, I can't watch Avengers Ultron until I watched these other five movies. And I was like, oh, they're just yeah. trying to get more out of me. But I will say after having gone through all that, how rewarding it is to have all of these different movies, all of them play in together, all of these characters interacting, like to watch, you know, Endgame and know the full character arcs of 20, 30 freaking superheroes. I'm like, I this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And they've just done a great job of telling multi-layered stories from like almost like really bringing the comics to life in that way in the way that dc has never success successfully done well what's one of the things that's important is something that marvel is doing that dc has still not gotten is they like i said wandavision more like it's a it's an homage to television sitcoms but it's also a journey about trauma and loss and like that's that's what marvel does like they're not like we're going to give you captain america winter service like no we're going to talk about uh global politics and and what that means and um the definition between good and evil and like americanism and nationalism versus like 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 it, it they tell those stories and i think that that's what makes it exceptional is because we're like actually having conversations but we're using superheroes to as um, a tool to do so. Um, so yeah, yeah and they, they do talk about trauma a lot because even with uh, Winter Soldier, like that's a lot of trauma. He went through a lot. Yeah, or even the, co the comparison between what he went through and Cap and like how two people can go through similar experiences, but it affects them differently. Something yeah. I've always wanted to do because it's been shown that like, television actually does influence real life. Like Will and Grace helped people be more acceptable of gay couples. Parks and Recs helped people start to care about the environment and their local parks. So I've always wanted, like as a military nation and military industrial complex, uh, I've always wanted a TV show that talked about veterans and talked about mm -hmm. the experience of like mm. going to war and having to come back and be normal. And everyone wanted you to put on a smile and, and, and be this American persona, but you just saw some shit and you just dealt with some shit and you killed some people. And what's that, what that's like. And I feel like this show is starting to do that. And to me, that is more honorable to give veterans an actual storyline and be like no you're not just a soldier who we applaud you're someone who went through things and the nation never really gave you an opportunity to express that so we want to we want to tell that story uh, yeah. i guess it, it, this is my homework this is what i'm gonna <laughs> this is what i'm gonna check out i have to be a part of the conversation so uh good yeah, job, that's, yeah. <laughs> good job on, on that one <laughs> Anything else? Anything you guys have? Anything outside of that? Yeah, I, I watch a lot of old stuff. <laughs> like what? I'm like, I like my me some a different world. Living we single. love a different world. <laughs> yeah, living single. I found out when I rewatched Living Single that half of my personality is based on that show. <laughs> like I grew up Great. just loving that show and lots of like my comedy uh, and everything. So for my homework this week, which is funny that you mentioned that. Um, 
The Nanny is now on HBO Max. <laughs> that is what I'm doing with my time. I haven't watched Winter Soldier You're yet. You're such a nanny stan. I don't I know how this started, bro. Dude, Her voice is so annoying, but... It's so good. It's such, like, I'm watching it now, and we've talked about, like, a lot of TV shows that don't necessarily hold up. The Nanny is a television show that, honestly, it's like the 90s I Love Lucy. It's so good. The writing's so great. The comedic timing is on point, and, like, I, I just, I'm so, I've just never been happier. Uh, and I'm so enjoying myself and I encourage everyone else to check it out again. Like, the Nick I don't also. think we have HBO Max in Canada. Oh. Because every time all those things get released, we have to like illegally watch it. Um, I could, and I they could took Fresh be- Prince off of Netflix <sighs> and they put it on yeah. HBO Max. Yeah. <laughs> But I have all of them on DVD, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> same, same. Um, I don't really have homework. My homework is to watch all the Marvel stuff. I still need to catch up on. So, well, it's not that much because you said you just finished watching Endgame. Yeah, so I have a Spider-Man movie and WandaVision to catch up on, for for exactly. me to, to, yeah, for me to get to Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> I love that people was like. And Falcon. Like, let, like, but like, I think after WandaVision, I might have to go back and rewatch X-Men as well. I don't know. No. <laughs> no. 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 no? no. Okay. I, I know why you think that, but no, you don't. No, you don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> like you should just for life, but not specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. I, that's all I got. Yeah. Okay, so um, thank you guys so much for listening to Broad Meets World. Uh, remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh google play apple play all the places leave us a rating we really enjoy you guys i know just so um i can say this a few of our listeners have asked us to talk um about uh a couple of things from previous episodes we did not have time i'll bring that up next week but um until then you can find me on twitter at i am not your oreo uh tc um i'm I really want to direct people to just go to our TikTok and interact with us. I'm constantly trying to post on there and get stuff going. And the conversations are just been great. So like Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, TikTok, all, t- uh, Twitter, all the places that you interact with us. I just encourage you guys to keep doing that because that's mostly where I am on social media is on the Brummies World accounts. And that's where the best conversations are. So, All right. And Anika and Debbie, anything you guys want to share? Debbie. No, because no, you know I don't know how to say all those tags and stuff, so you say those. I don't, okay, what am I saying? Um, like all the stuff our stuff is on. We're on Instagram at the we'll Melanie Marvel. Okay, sorry, proceed, I apologize, proceed. Okay, follow us at the Melanin Marvels on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> And Google Podcast. We really appreciate this. This was so Thank much Thank you guys fun. so much. Yeah, I know this was like a long one and we you guys came and could just really helped us get into the the psyche of of you know what it was like as for a female to watch the show, for people who aren't familiar with the show to watch the show. And I we love all the input you guys gave and we really appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thank you for having us. This is fun. Yeah. Awesome. As someone who, again, I have been watching these things, if you guys would have me on, I would love to join. 
on any conversation, any conversation, as you can tell, I like to talk. <laughs> Yo, you're, you're, the invite is open. Open invitation. Yay. <laughs> okay. All right, well, thanks, uh, guys. So, uh, remember to dream. To try. And to do good. Later, bruh. Later, bruh. When this boy meets work.